section two of the white wolf and other fireside tales this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by kate fallis the white wolf and other fireside tales by sir arthur thomas quiller couch section two miracle of the white wolf part two peter kurtz manuscript now that our troubles are over and i sit by the mast of our late unhappy ship not knowing if i am on earth or in paradise but full-fed and warm in all my limbs yea pierced and glowing with the love of almighty god i am resolved to take pen and use my unfrozen ink in telling out of what misery his hand hath led us to this present eden i who write this am peter kurt and i was the steward of my master ebby while he dwelt in his own castle of nebegard poor he was then and poor i suppose he is still in all but love and the favour of god but in those days the love was but an old servant's to wit my own and the favour of god not evident but the poverty on the other hand bitterly apparent in all our housekeeping we lived alone with a handful of servants sometimes as few as three in the castle which stands between the sand hills and the woods as you sail into vale fjord all these woods as far away as to rosenfold had been the good knight his father's but were lost to us before ebby's birth and leased on pledge to the knight bore of egeskov of who i am to tell and with them went all the crew of verderers huntsmen grooms prickers and ostringers that had kept nebgard cheerful the year round his mother had died at my master's birth and the knight himself but two years after so that the lad grew up in his poverty with no heritage but a few barren acres of sand a tumbling house and his father's sword and small prospect of winning the broad lands out of bore's clutches nevertheless under my tutoring he grew into a tall lad and a bold a good swordsman skilful at the tilt and in handling a boat but not talkative or free in his address of strangers the most of his days he spent in fishing or in the making and mending of gear and his evenings after our lesson in sword-play in the reading of books of which nebgard had good store and specially of the icelanders scalds and sagamen also at times in the study of latin with me who had been bred to the priesthood but left it for love of his father my foster-brother and now had no ambition of my own but to serve this lad and make him as good a man 
but there were days when he would have not to do with fishing or with books dark days when i forbore and left him to mope by the dunes or in the great garden which had been his mother's but was now a wilderness untended and it was then that he first met with the lady mette for as he walked there one morning a little before noon a swift shadow passed overhead between him and the sun and almost before he could glance upward a body came dropping out of the sky and fell with a thud among the rose bushes by the eastern wall it was a heron and after it swooped the bird which had murdered it a white gerfalcon of the kind which breeds in greenland but a trained bird as he knew by the sound of the bells on her legs as she plunged through the bushes ebby ran at once to the corner where the birds struggled but as he picked up the pelt he happened to glance towards the western wall and in the gateway there stood a maiden with her hand on the bridle of a white palfrey her dog came running towards ebby as he stood he beat it off and carrying the pelt across to its mistress waited a moment silently cap in hand while she called the great falcon back to its lure and leashed it to her wrist which seemed all too slight for the weight then as ebby held out the dead heron she shook her head and laughed i am not sure sir that i have any right to it we flushed it yonder between the wood and the sand-hills and though i did not stay to consider i think it must belong to the owner of the shoreland it is true said ebby that i own the shoreland and the forest too if law could enforce right but for the bird you are welcome to it and to as many more as you care to kill upon this she knit her brows the forest but i thought that the forest was my father's my name said she is mette and my father is the knight bore of eskakoff i am ebby of nebergard and said he perceiving the mirth in her eyes you have heard the rhyme upon me ebby from nebby with all his men good has neither food nor firing wood i had not meant to be discourteous said she contritely but tell me more of these forest lands nay answered ebby hither comes riding your father with his men ask him for the story and when he has told it you may know why i cannot make him or his daughter welcome at nebegard to this she made no reply but with her hand on the palfrey's bridle went slowly back to meet her father who reined up at a little distance and waited offering ebby no salutation then a groom helped her to the saddle and the company rode away towards egeskov leaving the lad with the dead bird in his hand for weeks after this meeting he moped more than usual he had known before that sir bore would leave no son and that the lands of nebegard if ever to be won back 
must be wrested from a woman and this had never troubled him it troubled me the less because i hoped there might be another way than force and even if it should come to that sir borre's past treachery had killed in me all kindness towards his house male or female he and my old master and five other knights of the eastern coast had been heavily oppressed by the lord of trelde lars trolla who owned many ships and though no better than a pirate claimed a right of levying tribute along the shore that faces funen upon pretence of protecting it after enduring many raids and paying toll under threat for years these seven knights banded together to rid themselves of this robber but word of their meetings being carried to trolle he came secretly one night to nevergard with three ships crews broke down the doors and finding the seven assembled in debate made them prisoners and held them at ransom my master a poor man could only purchase release by the help of his comrade bore who found the ransom but took in exchange the lands of nevergard to hold them until repaid out of their revenues but of these he could never after be brought to give an account we on our side had lost the power to enforce it and behind his own strength he could now threaten us with lars trolles to whom he had been reconciled therefore i felt no tenderness for sir borre's house if by any means our estates could be recovered but after this meeting with sir borre's daughter i could see that my young lord went heavily troubled and i began to think of other means than force it may have been six months later that word came to us of great stir and bustle at egeskov sir borre being aged and anxious to see his daughter married before he died had proclaimed a bride show now the custom is and the rule that any suitor so he be of gentle birth may offer himself in these contests nor will the parents begin to bargain until he has approved himself a wise plan since it lessens the disputing which else might be endless so when this news reached us i looked at my master and he perceiving what i would say answered it if holgar will carry me said he we will ride to egeskov this holgar was a stout roan horse foaled at nebegard but now well advanced in years and the last of that red stock for which our stables had been famous he will carry you thither said i and by god's grace bring you home with a bride behind you upon this my master hung his head peter he said do not think i attempt this because it is the easier way it comes easier than fighting with a woman i answered but you will find it hard now when the old man begins to haggle i did not know then that the lad's heart was honestly given to this maid 
but so it was and had been from the moment when she stood before him in the gateway so to egiscoffrey road and there found no less than forty suitors assembled and some with a hundred servants in retinue sir borre received us with no care to hide his scorn though the hour had not come for putting it into words and truly my master's arms were old-fashioned and with the dents they had honourably taken when they cased his father made a poor battered show for all my scouring nevertheless i had no fear when his turn came to ride the ring three rides had each wooer under the lady mette's eyes and three rings ebbe carried off and laid on the cushion before her she stooped and passed about his neck the gold chain which she held for the prize but i think they exchanged no looks only one other rider brought two rings and this was a son of lars trolle olaf by name a tall young knight and well favoured but disdainful whom i knew sir borre must favour if he could i could not see that the maiden favoured him above the rest yet i kept a close eye upon this youth and must own that in the jousting which followed he carried himself well for this the most of the wooers had fresh horses and i drew a long breath when at the close of the third course my master with two others remained in the lists for it had been announced to us that the last courses should be ridden on the morrow but now sir borre behaved very treacherously for perceiving as i am sure that the horse holgar was over-wearied and panting he gave word that the sport should not be stayed more by grace of heaven it was than by force of riding that ebby unhorsed his next man a knight's son from smalling but in the last course which he rode against olaf of trolle who had stood by his good honest beast came to the tilt-cloth with knees trembling and at a touch rolled over though between the two lances i will swear there was nothing to choose i was quick to pick up my dear lad but he would have none of my comfort and limped away from the lists as one who had borne himself shamefully yea and my own heart was hot as i led holgar back to stable without waiting to see the prize claimed by one who though a fair fighter had not won it without foul aid having stalled holgar i had much ado to find his master again and endless work to persuade him to quit his sulks and join the other suitors in the hall that night when each presented his bride gift even when i had won him over he refused to take the coffer i placed in his hands though it held his mother's jewels few but precious but entering with the last as became his humble rank of esquire he laid nothing at the lady's feet save his sword and the chain that she herself had given him 
you bring little squire ebbe said the knight bore from his seat beside his daughter i bring what is most precious in the world to me said ebbe your lance is broken i believe said the old knight scornfully my lance is not broken he answered else you should have it to match your word and rising without a look at mette whose eyes were downcast he strode back to the door i had now given up hope for the maid showed no sign of kindness and the old man and the youth were like two dogs the very sight of the one set the other growling yet since to leave in a huff would have been discourteous i prevailed on my master to bide over the morrow and even to mount holgar and ride forth to the hunt which was to close the bride show he mounted indeed but kept apart and well behind mette and her brisk group of wooers for apart from his lack of inclination his horse was not yet recovered and by and by as the prickers started a deer the hunt swept ahead of him and left him riding alone he had a mind to turn aside and ride straight back to nebogard whither he had sent me on to announce him and dismally enough i obeyed when at the end of a green glade he spied mette returning alone on her white palfrey for i am tired of this hunting she told him as she came near and you does it weary you also that you lag so far behind it would never weary me he answered but i have a weary horse then let us exchange said she though mine is but a palfrey it would carry you better your roan betrayed you yesterday and it is better to borrow than to miss excelling my house answered ebbe still sulkily has had enough borrowing of egeskov and my horse may be valueless but he is one of the few things dear to me and i must keep him truly then said she your words were not last night when you professed to offer me the gifts most precious to you in the world and before he could reply to this she had pricked on and was lost in the woodland ebby sat for a while as she left him considering at the crossing of two glades then he twitched holgar's rein and turned back towards nebogard but at the edge of the wood spying a shepherd seated below in the plain by his flock he rode down to the man and called to him and said go this evening to egeskov and greet the lady mette and say to her that ebbe of nebogard could not barter his good horse the last of his father's stable but that she may know he was honest in offering her the thing most precious to him tell her further what thou hast seen so saying he alighted off holgar and smoothing his neck whispered a word in his ear and the old horse turned his muzzle and rubbed it against his master's left palm whose right gripped a dagger 
and drove it straight for the heart this was the end of the roan stock of nebogard my master ebbe reached home that night with the mire thick on his boots having fed him i went to the stables and finding no holgar made sure that he had killed the poor beast in wrath for his discomfiture at the tilt the true reason he gave me many days after i misjudged him judging him by his father's temper on the morrow of the bride-show the suitors took their leave of egeskov under promise to return again at the month's end and hear how the lady mette had chosen so they went their ways none doubting that the fortunate one would be olaf of trelde and for me i blamed myself that we had ever gone to egeskov but on the third morning after the bride-show i changed this advice very suddenly for going at six of the morning to unlock our postern gate as my custom was i found a tall black stallion tethered there and left without a keeper his harness was of red leather and each broad crimson rein bore certain words embroidered on the one a straight quarrel is soonest mended on the other who will dare learns swiftness little time i lost in calling my master to admire and having read what was written he looked in my eyes and said i go back to egeskov that is well done said i may the almighty god prosper it but said he doubtfully if i determine on a strange thing will you help me peter i may need a dozen men men without wives to miss them i can yet find a dozen such along the fjord i answered and we go on a long journey perhaps never to return to nebogard dear master said i what matter where my old bones lie after they have done serving you he kissed me and rode away to egeskov i thought that the squire of nebbe had done with us sir borre began to sneer when ebbe found audience but the bride shows over my man and i give not my answer for a month yet your word is long to pledge and longer to redeem said ebbe i know that were i to wait a twelvemonth you would not of free will give me mette ah you know that do you well then you are right master lackland and the greater your impudence in hoping to wile from me through my daughter what you could not take by force ebbe replied i was prepared to find it difficult but let that pass as touching my lack of land i have nebogard left a poor estate and barren yet i think you would be glad of it to add to the lands of which you robbed us well said borre i would give a certain price for it but not my daughter nor anything near so precious to me give me one long ship said ebbe the swiftest of your seven which ride in the strait between egeskoff and stripe 
you shall take nebuchard for her since i am weary of living at home and care little to live at all without mette bore's eyes shone with greed i commend you said he for a stout lad there is nothing like risking his life to win a fortune give me the deeds belonging to nebuchard and you shall have my ship gold mary by your leave said ebby i have spent some time in watching your ships upon the fjord and the ship in my mind was the white wolf sir bory laughed to find himself outwitted for the white wolf could outsail all his fleet but in any case he had the better of the bargain and could afford to show some good humour moreover though he knew not that mette had any tenderness for this youth his spirits rose at the prospect of getting him out of the way so the bargain was struck and as nebby rode homewards to his castle for the last time he met the shepherd who had taken his former message the man was waiting for him and as you guess by mette's orders tell the lady mette said ebby that i have sold nebogard for the white wolf and that two nights from now my men will be aboard of her also that i sup with her father that evening before the boat takes me off from the bent ness so it was that two nights later ebby supped at egeskov and was kept drinking by the old knight for an hour maybe after the lady mette had risen and left the hall for her own room and at the end after the last speeding cup needs must sir bore who had grown friendly beyond all belief see him to the gate and stand there bareheaded among his torch-bearers while my master mounted the black stallion that was to bear him to bentness three miles away where i waited with the boat but as ebby shook his rein and moved out of the torchlight came the damsel mette stealing out of the shadow upon the far side of the horse he reached down a hand and she took it and sprang up behind him for this bout sir bore i came with a fresh horse called my master blithely and so striking spur galloped off into the dark little chance had sir bore to overtake them the stallion was swift our boat waiting in the lee of the ness the wind southerly and fresh the white wolf ready for sea with sail hoisted and but one small anchor to get on board or cut away if need were but there was no need before the men of egeskov reached the ness and found there the black stallion roaming its riders were sailing out of the strait with a merry breeze so began our voyage my master was minded to sail for norway and take service under the king but first coming to the island of leso he must put ashore and seek a priest by whom he and the lady mette were safely made man and wife two days he spent at the island and then with fresh store of provisions we headed northward again 
it was past scoggin that our troubles began with a furious wind from the northeast against which there was no contending so that we ran from it and were driven for two days and a night into the wide sea even when it lessened the wind held in the east and we who could handle the ship but knew little of reckoning crept northward again in the hope to sight the coast of norway for two days we held on at this lying close by the wind and in good spirits although our progress was not much but on the third blew another gale this time from the southeast and for a week gale followed gale and we went in deadly peril yet never losing hope the worst was the darkness for the year was now drawing towards yule and as we pressed farther north we lost almost all sight of the sun at length with the darkness and the bitter cold and our stores running low we resolved to let the wind take us with what swiftness it might to whatsoever land it listed and so ran westward with darkness closing upon us and famine and a great despair but the lady mette did not lose heart and the worst of all our failing cupboard we kept from her so that she never lacked for plenty truly her cheerfulness paid us back and her love for my master the like of which i had not seen in this world no nor dreamed of hand in hand this pair would sit watching the ice which was our prison and the great north lights she close against ebby's side for warmth and i believe as happy as a bird he trembling for the end the worst was to see her at table pressing food to his mouth and wondering at his little hunger while his whole body cried out for the meat only it could not be spared though she must know soon none of us had the heart to tell her and not out of pity alone but because with her must die out the last spark by which we warmed ourselves but there came a morning i write it as of a long time ago and yet it was but yesterday praise be unto god there came a morning when i awoke and found that two of our men had died in the plight of frost and famine they must be hidden before my mistress discovered aught and so before her hour of waking we waited and dropped the bodies overside into deep water for the ice had not yet wholly closed about us now as i stooped i suppose that my legs gave way beneath me at any rate i fell and in falling struck my head against the bulwarks and opened my eyes in that unending dusk to find the lady mette stooping over me then somehow i was aware that she had called for wine to force down my throat and had been told that there was no wine and also that with this answer had come to her the knowledge full and sudden of our case 
better had we done to trust her than to hide it all this while for she turned to ebby who stood at her shoulder and is not this the feast of yule she asked my master bent his head but without answering ah she cried to him now i know what i have longed to know that your love is less than mine for you can love yet be doubtful of miracles while to me now that i have loved no miracle can be aught but small she bowed herself over me art dying old friend look up and learn that god being love deserts not lovers then she stooped and gathered as i thought a handful of snow from the deck but lo when she pressed it to my lips and i tasted it was heavenly mana and looking up past her face i saw the ribbons of the north lights fade in a great and wide sunlight bathing the deck and my frozen limbs nor did they feel it only but on the wind came the noise of bergs rending springs breaking birds singing many and curious and with that as i am a sinful man i gazed up into green leaves for either we had sailed into paradise or the timbers of the white wolf were swelling with sap and pushing forth bough upon bough yea and there were roses at the mast's foot and my fingers as i stretched them dabbled in mosses while i lay there breathing softly as one who dreams and fears to awake i heard her voice talking among the noises of birds and brooks and by the scent it seemed to be in a garden but whether it spake to me or to ebby i knew not nor cared the lord is my shepherd and guides me it said wherefore i lack nothing he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me by comfortable streams he reviveth my soul yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no harm thy rod and thy staff they comfort me but a little after i knew that the voice spake to my master for it said let us go forth into the field o beloved let us lodge in the villages let us get up betimes to the vineyard and see if the vine have budded if its blossom be open the pomegranates in flower even there will i give thee my love then looking again i saw that the two had gone from me and left me alone but blessed be god they took not away the vision and now i know certainly that it is no cheat for here sit i dipping my pen into the unfrozen ink and when a word will not come looking up into the broad branches and listening to the birds till i forget my story it is long since they left me but i am full fed and the ship floats pleasantly after so much misery i am as one rocked on the bosom of god and the pine resin has a pleasant smell
author's note the courtship of ebby the poor esquire of nebogard and the maiden mette is a traditional tale of west jutland a version of it was englished by thorpe from carrot etler's even tir ogfogesogen fra Jylland but this while it tells of ebby's adventures at the bride show and afterwards at the hunting party contains no account of the lovers escape and voyage or of the miracle which brought them comfort at the last indeed master kurt contradicts the common tale in many ways but above all in his ending wherein although he narrates a miracle i find him worthy of belief End of section 2